I get to uh, keep talking about mentoring, which is really dear to my heart because I grew up and went through my 20s, you know, student life and into my 20s and I have never had a mentor. And it always didn't annoy me. It just was a wee bit sad that I would see all these examples in scripture or I would just think, actually, I am, I am never going to have young girls not have someone in their life that because I always wanted it and always felt like it would have been great to have and so over the years I have adopted younger women so I've been doing it really since I don't know I was probably in my mid-20s or maybe older and I took on my first adoptee and kind of really what it looked like to start with was just me helping them through their dissertation helping them through the stress of university and just being that sort of you know walking through life supporting them and loving them and then it started to transition and got into you know, all of their God journey and all of that. And so it's something that I personally have been doing for a very long time. Um, and I'm really passionate about it because I see the impact it can have on someone's life just to have someone walk beside them, cheer them on and actually walk into um, who God has planned for them to be. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to get launched straight in. So Father, I want to thank you. Oh, thank you for your presence. Thank you that we're your kids. And I thank you that you are our biggest cheerleader. You're the one whose affirmation of us uh, matters more than anyone else's. But God, I thank you that you give us people in our lives to run with, to walk alongside, people who are ahead of us, people who are beside us, people who are behind us, that we are never meant to do this alone. And I just pray that as I share today, God, that you'll just be speaking to us. We want to have hearts that are open to whatever it is that you want to say to us today. And we just say, God, have your way. Um, yeah, Show us what you want to say to us and let us have hearts that are open where there's good soil, where seeds can be sown, things that have already been planted can be watered and that, that we'll just mature and grow and be strengthened in our inner man. We just say, Jesus, we love you and we just want to thank you so much. Amen. Amen, amen. So, um, equipping, I mean, you're probably like, oh, here she goes again. But it is one of our vision objectives for 2022. And we specifically felt to focus on three aspects. I'm, I don't have a PowerPoint today, but um, the three aspects were, of our vision are, that we're focusing on this year are cultivating lives that demonstrate the power of God, helping people to grow into their God-given potential as healthy and whole individuals, and coaching and mentoring between and across generations that builds legacy. So we have had mentoring happening in hope for many years, often informally. Sometimes it's just been a kind of natural thing. But what we really wanted to do is, is as amazing as all of that has been, um, and you may already be in a pair of with someone who's mentoring you, um, but we just wanted that to be an. In, we just wanted it to be intentional. We wanted to intentionally line up with what God has spoken over us prophetically. Um, hence our new one-to-one -one mentoring program, which is getting started soon so we're going to be officially launching at the start of october it's going to run for 11 months um and then review will happen toward the end so you're not going to be like oh i'm going to be with this person forever and ever no you're going to be poured into and invest in for 11 months um, which will be amazing and our strap line for our program is being the you god always intended i mean I mean, I, I just like, yes, I want to be like who I'm always intended to be. So having people who will, that is the heart actually um, of our program, having people who will pour into our lives, cheer us on so that we can actually do what we're here for. Because I think the thing I realized more and more is that there, statistically, there's something like 
2% of Christians will have a job where they are employed and work for a church, which means that 98% of Christians are advancing the kingdom in their workplace, et cetera, et cetera. And the job of the people who work for the church is to equip those who are not, which is 98% of people, so that they can actually go and advance the kingdom, that they can see the sick heal, that they can bring words to their boss that's going to change the direction of the company, that they can see financial provision in their jobs so that people's wages get paid or whatever it is that God's calling you to do. And actually, in order to be able to do all of the amazing things God's got for us, because you're all in incredible situations in life. Like, I'm never going to be in the healthcare industry. I'm never going to be a lawyer. I'm never going to be a teacher or whatever it is that you do. But actually, God has placed you there. And actually, how wouldn't it be daft for us not to be cheered on, strengthened, and become fully who we are so that we can go and do all the stuff that God's got for us to do? And so that is really the heart behind our program, that we will... Um, be able to be equipped and strengthened because we're never meant to do it alone. Jo Mumray, she launched our teaching series last week and she quoted this great advert that HSBC had some years ago which said this, to succeed in life, you need some powerful allies. Because actually, we're not meant to do it alone. Like even, I mean, where two or three are gathered, God is amongst them. Like it's not oh, when there's just one gathered. Like actually, we're a body, every joint supplies, we need one another. And God has put us in family because we're never meant to do it alone. We need one another. Often God even puts the thing you need in another person so that you get blessed through them. And so they are like, I'm supplying to you as your next joint beside you. Uh, which is amazing. So our um, mentors uh, in this new program, really their, their role is going to be to love people, to encourage them to cheer people on in their walk with God and to really help them to learn to line up with like what God said over their life. How do they help them to step into that? Um, and really just to, to encourage, to support, to share wisdom. Like what, what did they do in their life when they were that age? Or what have they been doing in their life right now? Or what does it look like for them in their workplace? Um, and really just have that privilege of being able to um, be involved in someone's life, meaning that the mentees will be on the receiving end of all of that, all that wisdom and encouragement and love and support um, and cheering on um, so that actually they can draw uh, out of what's in the mentors, their um, maturity, their gifting. And actually both mentors and mentees are going to grow. And it's actually, I think, only sometimes as you are on the receiving end of stuff or as you do it yourself by pouring in someone else, you're like, oh, I didn't realize that I was actually quite good at that or I didn't realize I carried this or I didn't realize I had art for that or that this situation could change for this person because actually when I prayed that, everything changed for them. Sometimes we don't know what's in us until we start to um, step out in faith. So there's some great examples of mentoring relationships in the Bible. We obviously have Jesus himself, what a legend. Uh, he did it really well. Also quite scary, if you were mentored by Jesus, I am not sure how you'd have got on. I'm not sure how I would have got on if I was mentored by Jesus as a disciple in Bible times. Uh, I mean, all that walking, for one, would have been quite tricky. Uh, so Joe did an incredible job last week. If you haven't heard it, I really would encourage you to listen to it. She looked at Elijah and Elisha and really pulled out some great golden nuggets. One of the things I loved, was you, and I was like, oh, I never really saw this before, was she talked about how 
although Elijah and Elisha had like, the, there's a lot of the same miracles that they did that were mirrored, actually they were completely different personality-wise and she pulled out the scriptures that sort of showed us that. So I would encourage you to have a listen. So today I want to look at Paul and Timothy, uh, our great New Testament examples, and we're just going to have a wee detour look at uh, Barnabas, first of all, before we get into the Paul-Timothy relationship. So Paul, sorry, Barnabas, uh, his real name was actually Joseph. Now, you may have overlooked this because I had. I was like, oh, really? Oh, there he is. There he is in Acts 4. He really was called Joseph, and he was a Levite from Cyprus, and his nickname was Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Um, so Barnabas, we know that it was after Saul's conversion on the Damascus Road that um, it was it was Barnabas, you know, the, the disciples in Jerusalem were scared of him. No wonder. I mean, one minute he's killing them all, and the next minute he's like, Jesus is king, I follow him too. No wonder they were scared of him. But Barnabas was the one that took uh, Saul uh, to the disciples in Jerusalem, or actually in front of the apostles, to um, actually share like basically share Saul's conversion testimony to them, <laughs> um, which meant that then he was welcomed. Um, and then, of course, we know that the Jews were seeking to kill him sometime after that, so he went back to Tarsus. Now, when he was back in Tarsus, actually, there is a, some disagreement as to how long he was actually there. But when God started to move amongst the Gentiles, um, Barnabas is like, I know the man for the job. And he goes and gets uh, Saul, uh, or Paul, from Tarsus, who they reckon had been there for about between eight and ten years, uh, certainly up to ten years. And it's Barnabas that goes and gets him, brings him to Antioch, and then we know that sometime after that, I think they are there for a year, and then Paul and Barnabas were set apart for the work of ministry and sent out. Now, Acts 15, Paul and Barnabas had a disagreement. Always encouraging to read that because you're like, do you know what? They were not all besties in the New Testament. That's okay. Because sometimes relationships are difficult. That's okay. Um, but it was over John Mark. So they part ways and then Paul chooses Silas uh, to go with him. And just as an interesting side note, you maybe already know this, but just to remind you, um, you know, actually from a mentoring point of view, Barnabas did such an amazing job with John Mark that Paul later said to Timothy in, in his second letter to Timothy, uh, get Mark and bring him to me because he's useful to me in my ministry. Um, so obviously that all got cleared up because, uh, you know, Barnabas poured into his life and Paul was like, he's awesome, I'll have him, um, which is amazing, so encouraging. So um, then we obviously have Paul and Silas uh, after that, and they then um, meet Timothy in Acts 16. So I'm just going to read uh, from the Passion Translation, Acts 16, 1 to 5. It says this, Paul and Silas came to the city of Derbe and went on to Lystra, the home of a believer named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish follower of Jesus, but his father was not a Jew. Timothy was well known and highly respected among all the believers of Lystra and Iconium. Paul recognized God's favor on Timothy's life and wanted him to accompany them in ministry. But <laughs> Paul and Timothy circumcised first because of the significant Jewish community living in the region and everyone knew that Timothy's father wasn't a Jew. And then verse 4, they went out together as missionaries traveling to different cities where they preached. And then at the end of verse 5, all the churches were growing daily and were encouraged and strengthened in their faith. So Barnabas was Paul's mentor, 
And interestingly, as soon as that relationship changed, Paul himself finds someone to mentor in Timothy. So Timothy had a yes response in this moment. Now, we don't see it or read it as clearly as Joe was explaining last week with Elijah and Elisha. Um, but we do know that he left his mom and he left his granny. Um, and we do know that he must have really been very committed to Jesus. Because, you know, Paul's like, hey, like, want you to join us. But by the way, you need to be circumcised. Now, no law for that to be a thing anymore. So it was no longer necessary to have a right relationship with God. And he was free from that. But he did it, which I'm not a man, but I don't think that would have been very pleasant. And there's a reason, I think, that it gets done when boys are babies. Um, so there obviously would have been some time to heal before they were sent out on their missionary journey. Uh, so not an instant departure. Now and then next what happens is Paul has a vision, which is great. You might, I mean, if you were Timothy, you'd be like, oh, he's had a vision. There's a man calling from Macedonia. We have to go there. I think that would have been quite exciting. Um, so um, they conclude, you know, that they have to go. They're called to preach the gospel to Macedonia. So we have Timothy along with Silas and Paul, and off they go to um, Macedonia. And when they get there, in Acts 16, we read about the conversion of Lydia. Now, if I was Timothy, I would be like, I thought it was meant to be a man. Where's the man? Like, well, this is a woman who sells purple cloth by the river. And so Lydia and all of her household get baptized. And then, of course, there's the story of the, the, the slave girl fortune teller who's following them around for days. <laughs> I mean, I, that was, must have been, I think, quite interesting for Timothy. I'm not sure if he'd experienced something like that before. So Paul gets fed up. He casts the demon out of her. And then we know what happens next, Paul and Silas. So Timothy's watching this. Paul and Silas get arrested, well, get beaten with rods. Um, and dragged into prison by the leaders of the city and into the inner prison in stock. So what on earth is going through Timothy's head at this point? Put yourself in the story. You've, you've just left your mom and granny. You know, you're maybe walking a bit uncomfortably still, bless him. And you've watched, you know, this woman and her whole household get saved. Then there's been this woman who's like shouting all sorts of odds because she's got, you know, demon in her or lots of demons probably. No, I think just one python spirit, wasn't it? And uh, they, that demon gets cast out and then it's just all chaos breaks loose and, and you watch the man that you're meant to be going with, who's going to be your mentor, getting beaten and dragged into prison. Now, we don't know what happened to Timothy. We don't know what happens in the story. Did he go back to Lydia's because that, they were all invited to stay with her? We don't know. We don't know what happened to him. But we do know um, that um, they sing at midnight. There's an earthquake. The prison doors open and the jailer and the, his entire household get saved. So right from the get-go, there's Timothy really just um, on a steep learning curve, thrown in the deep end. And um, feel free to just read the book of Acts. It's really fun to just be like, oh, actually, Timothy was there and that happened. Oh, there's Timothy there and that happened. Um, so, so Paul's vision got fulfilled, but not in the way that, that Paul expected, certainly, because we had two women first and then the man. Um, and actually, sometimes God forms your character first so that you can handle the fruit of what's going to come. And Timothy was there also while Paul was processing that. Like afterwards, when he got out of prison, and he must have been like, all oh, right, well, I don't know how that worked. And so, so Timothy was involved. The other thing that Timothy was involved in was in Acts 20, he was there when Eutychus fell asleep and fell three stories to his death. And to, uh, Paul raised him from the dead, uh, which would have been, I mean, we overlook that. Actually, Timothy was there too. 
And Timothy was there with Paul um, in Rome when he was in prison. And, and Timothy was included in the opening letters to the Philippians, to the Colossians, and to Philemon, all in the very first verses. So what did their relationship look like? So here's a few, few things. So it was a father relationship, father-son relationship, certainly to start with. Um, Philippians 2 says this, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by the news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that I shortly, my, I, I myself will come also. So Paul wanted his hearers um, to know that Timothy really was, he was regarding him as an extension of himself. And then Paul writes two letters to Timothy and he calls him his true spiritual son. He calls him um, his beloved son. Um, and really writing the letters, First uh, Timothy would have been when um, Paul was released from house arrest before he was headed to Macedonia. And the second one he wrote um, from jail in Rome, actually, while he was awaiting execution. Um, so, so father-son relationship to start with. Then it, it was very loving and encouraging. I mean, I mean, to have someone write this about you, that's why I've sent my dear son Timothy, whom I love. He is faithful to the Lord Yahweh and will remind you of how I conduct myself as one who lives in union with Jesus, the anointed one, and the teachings I bring to every church everywhere. So to write to someone and be like, I'm sending you this son of mine whom I love. So loving, so encouraging. And, um, and Paul as well was like, you know, in 1 Timothy 4, instruct and teach the people all that I've taught you and don't be intimidated by those that are older than you. Simply be the example they need to see by being faithful and true in all that you do. Speak the truth and live a life of purity and authentic love as you remain strong in your faith. Um, and then so supportive, like Paul, I'm not going to keep reading all the verses, but you know, Paul writes and is like, you know, make sure that Timothy feels at home when he's amongst you. And, you know, he's advancing the Lord's work as I am. And don't disparage him. Don't look down on him um, for his age, but help him and support him financially. And um, and it, and it, there was just trust. Like for, for Paul to... Uh, to send Timothy, he had proven himself to be trustworthy. And Paul actually sent him then as a representative to the churches that he was concerned about. And also, um, he was really just a stand-in for Paul when Paul was in prison so that he could get news of the churches. The relationship was expressive. I mean, 2 Timothy 1, 3. Night and day, I pray for you, thanking God for your life. I know you've wept for me, your spiritual father, and your tears are dear to me. I can't wait to see you again. I'm filled with joy as I think of your strong faith passed down through your family line from your grandmother Lois to your mother Eunice. We clearly see here such a solid bond that not only did, you know, Paul is aware of who, um, who um, his his mom and his granny are, but actually he's just like, you know, do you know what? I've been praying for you and you've cried for me and I've cried for you. Like so much, such a deep expressive bond and actually just such a sense of um, wisdom and instruction. Like Paul was teaching him what he knew um, and wanting him to, you know, what you've learned from me, pass on was what he said to him and to carefully consider that what's been taught um, by me to you and just encouraging him to guard the deposit that's entrusted uh, to him. So Paul, I mean, he often disappeared 
first. So <laughs> I just think for Timothy, bless him. He was, I mean, he was equipped, but some of his equipping, yes, it was, he was equipped as he was with Paul, just seeing how his life worked. But often Paul went on ahead. So, you know, first of all, he goes to Athens, he leaves Timothy and Silas in Berea. And really they were just charged with the task of nurturing that young congregation there. And then, um, and then it happens again and again and again. And what actually I believe is that that, that Paul was like stopping there being like an over-reliance on himself by Timothy because he actually wanted to kind of push him and stretch him so that he would line up with who he was. And Paul did lay hands on him. Paul did pour into him. Um, and I think what's amazing as well is that their father-son relationship changes. And that is the aim. Actually, of our even of our mentoring program, we don't want to have people who don't grow. Like growth is actually the aim that we change, we develop, we we stand in who we are, we understand the authority that we've got and we line up with what God's called us to so that we can go and advance the kingdom and see everything that uh, God's spoken over our lives come to pass. And that that for me personally is my heart. I'm like, I don't care what you do, God. I just want to make sure that when I get to the end of my life, I've done everything that I'm meant to do. And I, I say to my friends, listen, if I die, too soon. Get me raised from the dead. If, if you know that my prophetic words of my life haven't come to pass, please just raise me from the dead because it's not my time yet. I want to be, I want to be someone who fulfills what God's put me here for and not be distracted from that purpose. Um, so there was growth. They, they became brothers. Um, Paul um, started to really talk to um, or write in his letters about, about Timothy being his brother and his fellow in the faith. And that really happened as Timothy's ministry uh, advanced, as he was, as he was tested, as he, um, you know, had trials himself. So Philemon 1.1, Paul's opening greeting say, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, which really just points to the fact that, that Timothy had actually co-authored the letter. And then Hebrews 13.23 tells us that Timothy has been released from prison um, and again refers to him as a brother. And then Romans 16.21, Timothy, my fellow worker, sends you his greetings. So not, not his son any longer, actually an equal because he's matured and grown and is standing in who he is and what God's called him to. So that's their relationship. That's a bit of like, what did it look like? But what can we learn from the way that they that Paul and Timothy's relationship work. What are, what can we pull out from their mentoring relationship? Well, for me, when I, you know, just digging in again to their lives and what it looked like, I'm just like, it was clearly they spent time together. That would be number one. Paul and Timothy, well, not in order, just my number one. This is, doesn't mean it's the most important one, just in my list. So Paul and Timothy spent time together. They opened their hearts to one another. Um, they were deeply committed to one another. And actually, Paul modeled something and gave Timothy an example to learn from. But then Timothy, on the, on the opposite side of that, had to be really humble and teachable. Um, Paul had to be patient, I'm sure. I'm sure he had to be very patient at times. Uh, we don't hear what did Timothy think, but you just, you, I just like to read between the lines. I'm like, oh gosh, what was he saying at that point? Like, Hey, Paul, like, that guy died, right? And now he's alive, the one that fell out of the three stories. Like, I don't understand. How did that happen? Like, what did you do? Like, how did, how did you know? Like, did God speak to you to raise him? Did you just decide to do it? Like, what went on? Like, I think Paul would have had to be very patient. I'm sure Timothy asked a lot of questions, because I certainly would have. 
um, Paul had to be willing to encourage. He, he was, you know, willing to pray and to give support. Paul gave Timothy access to his life, which was the highs and the lows. Like, you know, the, there was nothing that Paul hid uh, from him. If he was having a bad day and was having a tough time, then Timothy knew about it um, because he shared his life with him. And um, a lot of, yeah, as I said, a lot of Timothy's training took place when he was with him. But Paul also gave Timothy opportunities to grow, um, to be stretched, for his, his gifts to be used. And Timothy was actually willing to be stretched and willing to be um, pushed out of his comfort zone and thrown in the deep end. Actually, a lot of what happened in Timothy's life, if he'd have just, well, first of all, if he'd have said, no, I'm not going to get circumcised and no, I'm not coming with you, actually, we wouldn't have had <laughs> the incredible letters that Paul wrote to Timothy. Um, Paul continually called out of Timothy who he was. Uh, Timothy was willing to defer to Paul's gifting and to trust God in him. And then we see that change, and it was vice versa. Like, Timothy, uh, Paul trusted God in Timothy because he sent him out and rep to represent him. He, he trusted him. Um, and Paul released an impartation into Timothy's life. You know, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So their relationship was open and honest. Um, they encouraged and challenged each other, I believe. Um, and, and their relationship was one of deep love, of trust and of honour. And I think the other thing that's is important to point out is that age in this relationship was completely irrelevant um, because iron sharpens iron. It doesn't say, oh, iron only sharpens iron if the person that's doing most of the sharpening is older and the person who's been sharpened is younger. That's not what scripture says. Iron sharpens iron. Um, and so age is irrelevant. Um, and the relationship, although it started out with Timothy doing a lot of learning, it actually became a relationship that was mutually beneficial. So they chose, Paul and Timothy chose to invest um, in what God uh, had given them in each other. That actually they, you know, they they had learned things. I'm, I'm, you know, Timothy was well thought of. He was well known. So he wasn't just like a complete novice. And actually he used what God had given him. He stepped out in faith. He, put, he, he learned from Paul. He went and he, you know, encouraged the believers. And he, you know, went to Ephesus and led the church there. And I think that it's, it's, it's important for us, like, what are, we, what are we doing with what we have? Like, God has given, everybody in this place is an absolute legend. Like, you know, even, even you. Um, I, I just think you're all amazing, and I know that there's so much that God has put inside of you. And I think that actually we, this is an opportunity, this mentoring program is an opportunity for us to be like, wow, I did not know this was in me. Because one, either because someone calls it out of you and cheers you on in it, or because you realize, wow, I've just, I didn't realize that that would come out of me if I poured something into someone, that that would be what would be there. And I think with the, um, the, story, the story of the parable of the talents gets me <laughs> in a good way, but it's a massive challenge for us. And I think, you know, the, the thing that's hugely challenging is that Jesus actually condemned the man who did not put what he'd received to use. Um, and actually what he had, he, he buried in the ground and what he did then when he dug it up, he's one, one talent or coin, it was given to the one who had the most. And I think that the ones who were rewarded were the ones who actually stepped out in faith and were like, I'm going to invest this, I'm going to do something with what I've been given, uh, not knowing what would happen. Uh, and actually they, they increased what they had. Um, and so for us, I just want to encourage you, like the, 
Like we have so much to give, all of us. Like God has put a real deposit. He's put He's given you all revelation and wisdom. You have all journeyed your life with Him and learned a lot of stuff along the way. Um, and we can all learn from one another. And so I just wanted just to, to close. Um, I'm just going to have you ask God a question because it's fine. I stand up here. I'm like, yay, mentoring's awesome. You should do it. But actually, what does God want you to do? Um, and so I just want to ask you, I just want us to take a moment and you can close your eyes or keep them open or get comfy, however you want. And I just want you to ask Holy Spirit. Um, now, if you're a visitor, actually, sorry, just before I say that, if you're a visitor and this is not normally your home church, actually, this applies to you too. So please don't count yourself out. And you can be asking God, like, you know, what do you, what do you want me to do with my talent? What do you want to do with what you've given me? How can I, you know, how can I, who, who do you want me to cheer on or pour into? What does that look like? And just see who God shows to you. So I just want you to ask Holy Spirit, what would you like me to do about the one-to-one mentoring program this year? What would you like me to do about it? Do you want me to be a mentor? Do you want me to be a mentee? Do you want me to do both? Or do you have something else that you would like me to be doing in this season? So, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do about the one-to-one mentoring program this year? Do you want me to be a mentor, a mentee, or both? Or... Do you have something else that you would like me to be doing in this season? And as I say, if you're from a different church, you can just be asking Holy Spirit, is there a person that you want me to be a mentor to? Is there someone that I need to get alongside to pour into? Or is there someone that I need to ask to mentor me? So I just want to encourage you that depending on what you just heard, depending on the answer, I just encourage you to take action, whatever that is. If God spoke to you about something different that he wants you to do this year or whatever that is, you might need to take action. I don't know what he said. Um, I don't know what he's spoken over you, but I just will say this. The application for mentor and mentees is open. If God has been prompting you to get involved, then please, um, you will have an email, I think, afresh in your inbox right now right now because Jess is amazing um so please do um respond to God actually I don't want you to be obedient to me I want you to be obedient to him um but I want to pray for us and then we we'll can collect our children so father I want to thank you I thank you for every single person in this room God I thank you for the way that you have created them they are unique and they have been called by you they are your treasured possession they're your workmanship they are um, placed in only a place where they can reach the people that you've got them to reach God that you have prepared good works for them in advance that you've positioned them to have influence and they are called to advance the kingdom God I thank you um, for how you've made them for all that they've learned for the great wisdom they have for the huge deposits of revelation that you've given them that's inside of them and God I thank you for each and every one of them. And I pray that you will lead them, Holy Spirit, in the days ahead to know what it is that they can do to partner with you to see um, themselves and those around them being um, who, God, you intended them to be. God, I just want to speak your blessing over them. I thank you for the deposit that has been placed inside of them from through the laying on of hands. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, will you fan into flame all of the gifts that are inside of them 
And I just pray that you just anoint them afresh as they go out into their week ahead. I pray, Jesus, that their relationship with you would deepen. I pray, Father, that they'll hear your voice and your affirmation regularly. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that they'll just be clothed afresh with power from on high to go and advance the kingdom and see you, Jesus, um, as king, get your full reward. I thank you that we're called to see heaven released on earth, and I pray that you would use them mightily to do that. I just speak your blessing over them, and I thank you for each and every single one that you know by name, you know how many hairs are on their head, and you knit them together in their mother's womb. God, I just speak your blessing over them, and I thank you for them all. Amen. <laughs>